Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Gong's Drumcast. Today's episode is episode number three, and uh, we have an, an eminent guest today, a very special guest. Um, he's a man who, of course, is a drummer, but he's a lot more than that because he has also uh, been a drum tech for pretty big, big names. And he also has designed and refurbished and painted and done all these things with both drums and guitars and what have you. So he's, uh, he's, actually, he's actually a real artist as well. He does paint jobs and, you know, fixes up drum kits. He has been uh, the drum tech for Frank Beard from ZZ Top, uh, Alex Van Halen, um, and of course, Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. He's worked with Bon Jovi, with Slash. He's worked with so many, both painting and decorating their drum kits uh, and also teching with them on tour. So we're going to hear a little bit about what that's like, how he got these gigs and what, what his career has been like, because he started out as a drummer and kind of ended up as a drum tech and Almost not a drum builder, but it's certainly as close as you can get to drum builder without building the drums from very, very scratch. Um, he also has uh, kind of been the stand-in drummer for some really, really big names uh, for some of the guys he's worked with. And he's going to tell us a little bit about these stories. Uh, so, um, with no further ado, let's just jump right into it, uh, all the way from Texas, we're going to speak to John Douglas. John Douglas, welcome to Dr. Gong's Drumcast. <laughs> Danny Young, thank you so much. All the way across the world. Yeah, how, how is it in Texas? Well, it's getting hot, uh, which is, you know, nothing new. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's been an interesting couple of months um, for the planet, but we'll get through it. Everything's good. Yeah, and this is like, this is... Well, the first time that that I could think of that it's it's global. I mean, it's every inv everybody is involved here, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a it's a strange phenomenon that that uh, I think all of us would wish did not happen and would never happen again. Um, I don't know what the outcome ultimately will be, but it's the first time, to my knowledge, like usually things like you said, things are regional. You know, like a hurricane will hit somewhere or an earthquake will hit somewhere and the rest of the planet, or the rest of the country, whatever, will will come to the rescue and ship bottled water and, you know, everything, everything that's necessary. But this is global um, and uh, it's a total different dynamic. Yeah, we're in this shit together. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe there's something... Not nice about that, but maybe that's uh, at least, you know, that's the little comfort that we get that, you know, at least, you know, we're, we're actually all in this together. And there's a, yeah, there's I mean, it's, a, really it's, certain, 
it certainly has leveled the playing field. I mean, it's nobody is immune. So, or that's a bad term, but yeah. Everybody gets hit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So John, this, uh, this talk is about you. Uh, not oh about me and not about <laughs> the global the global pandemic, what have you. Um, yeah. So I, I want to start. I, I, I in this uh, podcast, I've given a little intro, talked a little bit about you know that your your main the main reasons to why we were talking with you. But but you know I don't know really much of your your background, your story. Um, Tell me where you grew up and how you got into music and, and like how was like the first first part of your life in that sense? Uh, I was born and raised in the Midwest of the U.S. Uh, where about? Uh, in the southern Illinois. Okay. A little, a little town called Alton, Illinois, right across the river from St. Louis. So it's like all the TV shows we watched and everything was, was St. Louis, but it was – but uh, we were across the Mississippi River in a in a small little small little town. Um, so I was there f- up until eighth grade. So that was what I refer to as my bicycle years. You know, <laughs> free driving and you know, riding and seeing everything from the the back of our parents' station wagon. Um, I was going to say because you you don't have that Texas draw. You know, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I've been here a, a lifetime. I, I don't know why. Uh, I th- sometimes it comes out. I don't. I don't really know. But so yeah, musically. I mean, I was. I'm the baby of of uh, five kids, and okay. nobody else in my family was particularly musical or artistic. So I was kind of a freak. Um, <laughs> and, and, and being the baby, my parents kind of were at that point. They're like, you know, hey, well, he is what he is, and let's let's just uh, help him. You know, you're the victim uh, of hand me downs. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, but no drums or guitars or anything. No, nothing. In that, you know, that you're, was. Uh, you had to figure out that one yourself. I, I did. So uh, you know, even before I can remember, my parents would tell me that I, you know, would beat beat on pots and pans, and and um, I remember discovering my mom's knitting needles, which made great drumsticks until. <laughs> Until I bent them, and, and she wasn't happy about that. <laughs> and um, so, I just always drawn to drums in particular, music, and and uh, and then as soon as I could start in band, uh, which I think was I think it was fifth grade at that time, when you know when the the arts were better better represented in public schools. Um, but so you sign up for band and of course you put what you want. And mine was drums, percussion. And I remember the band director saying, well, you know, we have too many drummers because obviously everybody, certainly all the boys want to play drums. And that, you know, he said, ah, oh, you might be suited for like clarinet or something, which horrified me. <laughs> and uh, no offense to wind instruments, but, I just remember we left the band director's office and I was clearly upset and, and, and my parents knew it. And so they told me to sit down and they went back in to his office and somehow, you know, next thing, you know, they came out and said I was signed up for percussion. So So they went to bat for me early on knowing that, that my passion 
my, you know, I really wanted to play drums, you know, and they went to bat for me, uh, you know, which I appreciate. I think they, you know, ultimately they probably regretted it because the house was never, <laughs> never quiet again. <laughs> Your dad but, had to uh, find his uh, inner Tony Soprano and walk back yeah. into the office. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, so that was the beginning of it. Cool. So I did, I did, I did, you know, uh, that's my only instruction for art or music is band and, and art in public schools. And so I did it all the way through high school, marching band and, you know, every, everything. I, that was my only way to learn. Cause obviously that was pre, pre internet, um, everything that was, that's how you learned. Um, and, uh, that's, that was it for me. And I assume at some point there in time, you discovered uh, rock and roll, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty early on. Um, Kiss. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I primarily, you know, was enamored by the look. Honestly, I thought, ah, I want to I want to draw those guys because I was into art, too, you know, and and the whole imagery and the painted faces and stuff is a, is a natural for uh, a kid that that likes to draw. And so I bought Kiss Alive that, you know, had plenty of uh, cool photos inside. And so um, that I got the bug and uh, pretty soon it was all the great bands of the late 70s, you know, from from Elton John to Rush to to uh, Queen and Zeppelin and Kansas and, you know, the Cars and Van Halen and you know, all, everything. Yeah, wow. I learned to play, I learned to play drums to uh, most all of those bands in my bedroom, uh, on a, you know, vinyl turntable. And uh, pro probably not expecting that you're going to be working with any of them. <laughs> oh no, no, never in a million years. If you'd have told me, you know, the, the kid me that I would ever end up working for Van Halen in particular, because that, that band and, and Alex Van Halen to me, uh, in my formative years, you know, musically and visually all his cool drum kits, yeah. um, uh, totally inspired me in every way, you know, like I say, artistically and musically and drums and, and, uh, you know, uh, guitar, obviously guitar, Edward, I, I don't play, but I'm a huge fan. Um, yeah, if you'd have told that you know fifteen-year-old John that uh, that I would grow up to work for Van Halen, yeah, it would have, <laughs> I'd have called you a liar or dreaming. Or <laughs> as jaded as I am, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not lost on me the the experiences I've had just to sit sit behind a lot of the guys that I've worked for and, and watch them every night. You know how you can you can't beat that. You can't be it's not what I set out to do. No, no. Really. You know, I set out to be a drummer. That's what I wanted to do. And that's so, what you also became. I mean, you, you, I'm, I'm guessing you played in bands. I think I've seen some oh, pictures. Yeah. Uh, and and where where was that? And, and like what style? And what what were the names of these uh, bands you played oh, I with? I mean, it was always rock and roll. I mean, in high school, it was a band called Destiny. And mm. we played, out, you know, everywhere that would have us played at the school. You know, we put on our own concerts and we'd play at neighborhoods and you know, uh, eventually we'd, uh, you know, battle of the bands, wherever, wherever they have us. And, uh, we played all that music that I talked about. 
Do you play, all the, you mainly know, cover covers? Bands. Oh yeah, all, all covers primarily. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I remember, you know, when I got into high school, all the the cool senior drummers were into Rush, and it, I, I was not familiar with Rush because at the time they they didn't get any airplay, they didn't have any any presence in the mainstream, and uh, but when you're a freshman drummer and you you want to be cool like the senior drummers. You know, pretty soon I was heavily into Rush. So my high school years, while I listened to everything else and played everything else, Rush was just like, so I abused that. You know, I tried to squeeze in every uh, Rush fill in wherever was inappropriate. You know, in in a Cheap Trick song, I'd I'd play a a ridiculously over-the-top, over-the-bar line, you know. Uh, My drum kit grew and grew, and that's when I – you know, I, I, I couldn't afford to like order a big drum kit. I had an orange sparkle five piece kit and to get another kick drum or whatever, I would just buy a used one that of course didn't match. And so eventually I had this jelly bean funky kit of, of finishes and brands. And, uh, so I took the drums apart and I wrapped them in chrome mylar, uh, to make them all match. And so that was my Little did you know that that was going to be that was going to be your career. (laughs) Yeah, and then I started. uh, Of course, what bands I I started painting my kick drum heads, uh, which I can remember. You know, other I don't remember anybody having that. I didn't. I didn't invent it. I just mean in my circle of friends and bands and stuff like nobody dared uh, paint their drum heads uh, or refinish or rewrap their drums or anything like that. But to me, it was just a natural progression of art and music and, and necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I wanted my drums to look cool. That was the, that was the whole point. So you're, um, I am, it sounds to me like you're, you're probably your favorite drummer growing up was, uh, Neil Peart, right? Uh, certainly for, for a time. Um, but I think, um, I, well, I'd be hard pressed to, if you, if you made me, choose i think i think van halen would have been alex van halen would have been the hands down as just as around the same time you know i i I had a uh let's put it this way i had the van halen logo drawn on my notebooks i didn't have the rush logo okay uh but i certainly certainly heavily influenced and, 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 you know, there probably was a time where I would have said that, um, definitely, uh, like I said, uh, you know, I abused every, or tried to squeeze in, uh, rush fills in all the wrong places <laughs> just to, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. And that <laughs> Until was, the, we learned not to, <laughs> that was the soundtrack of your life. I yeah. mean, at that time, was probably it consisted a lot of of, uh, of Rush and Van Halen. But you probably, like you said, you, yeah. you're doing covers, cover songs, which is great because that's how you learn a lot about music playing covers, right? Absolutely. And you yep. mentioned Cheap Trick, which is an amazing band. It's not as technical or as heavy no. or as advanced as uh, you know Rush and Van Halen. But Bunny Carlos, I mean, you can't go wrong with that guy. He's got the groove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like I just I learned pretty early on that even even though I was. I would, I was, I loved Rush and, and other, you know, Kansas and yes and, and, and stuff. I really like 
just great songs. I like to sing along, you know. So um, Rush is not known for their big choruses and sing, you know singing along. Hmm. They're known for air drumming and technical, you know. So uh, I I learned pretty early on that that's what I really gravitated to. Uh, as far as what I really love, like to not only listen to, but I like to play. I like to play great songs with great hooks and, and harmonies and vocals. And, and, you know, that certainly, uh, in, involves lots of other different bands, you know, that where the drum parts weren't necessarily challenging, uh, like cheap trick or the cars or, uh, Queen and you know it goes on and on you know yeah. Aerosmith and you know I mean it was certainly there's cool parts in there but it's not it's not tech it's not prog at no. all you know so and and many I learned that pretty early on I think Van Halen um, because of their sound and their attitude and you know the their looks and everything was very very uh, early on I think it was categorized as you know heavy metal or really heavy but if you listen to the Van Halen songs. I mean, it's it's pop. It, it's, it's so pop. it's so pop music, just yeah. with with just an, you know incredible guitar parts. But the, you know the vocal harmonies with with Dave and, and Michael Anthony and everything. I mean, and the whole band. That was it's it's like it's like uh, it's it's heavy metal mixed with Beach Boys in a way. You know? <laughs> it is no, it, you're, you're right. It, it is it is it is pop. I know pop's a dirty word now, but pop just means popular. I mean, it's just yeah. it's it's a pop. Catchy, uh, the catchy, hooky songs that you sing along to—they just happen to be—it happened to be done by brilliant musicians. Yeah, uh, you know, um, and they squeezed in. And I say the—I know, obviously, Edward revolutionized rock guitar. Uh, you know, but but Alex was back there doing that, supporting that, and adding cool things that never ever took away from the three and a half minute hit song, yep. you know, I mean, dance the night away, for instance, is that's like, that's come on. That's a super catchy pop song, killer harmonies, but great parts musically drums and guitar and harmonies. And, and it's just, the, it's brilliant. I mean, that is, I still love it. <laughs> I, and I, I love, that's one of my favorite Van Halen songs as well. And it's funny. Um, I happened to be at the, at the cafe wa gig, when they played, when they played there, and yeah. I, and I, when I heard they started playing "Dance Night," I was like, "Where's Alex's cowbell?" He was hitting on one of the, he was hitting the ceiling or or some yeah, of the. There was a pipe. It was a pipe. A pipe, was a pipe. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was hitting. Yeah. I was like, "Great!" I witnessed that, and so did you, yeah. obviously, since you were tech, yeah. Tekken. But um, so and then, but then you were playing in high high school bands, uh, and was that uh, in Illinois where you grew up, or was that had you no, already that moved was to in Texas? Texas? Okay, so you yeah, moved to I Texas was in by Texas. then. Yeah, yeah. I went to high school in, all the high school years in Texas in Houston, and uh, so that was in, in Houston. And as soon as I graduated, I think that, I think Destiny, we we went another year after high school because that's the pivotal point, right? It's like okay, who's going to college? Who's not? Who's gonna? You know? Yeah. So um, I just wanted to play, um, and uh, at that time there was a really healthy uh, rock live rock scene certainly in texas uh, and um about a year after high school i found out that this band that i would go to clubs to see because they were so good they were a band called rage okay and uh again but primarily covers 
yeah. uh, because because that was the scene, you know. And they would come to Houston and play different clubs, and you know, you do you do five six nights a week of rage, and 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 I would go see them sneak in because I wasn't of age yet. And in fact, Destiny, we would go see them, and we'd come home and go, man, we gotta be we gotta be like Rage because <laughs> they were just so good, and 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 I found out that they were looking for a drummer, and somehow I got a hold of them. I have no, I don't, I don't remember how, but I got the gig, and uh, they were all much older than I was, way more experienced, obviously, um, but I was so stoked to to be there and they taught me so much uh about about being a a a great musician uh not that i was great but to be a professional musician i should say because you got to do it every night and be consistent and that's the first time i ever heard like meter or uh, you know uh any of these words they they taught me so much and also about just being responsible people because this is what they did and i played with them nonstop for about three years okay 50 weeks a year we we, they had it arranged to where you know we'd get two two weeks vacation a year and uh and we had a a lighting guy and a sound guy and a truck and a van and all self-contained and you roll into town and we average five nights a week for three years solid and so that's where you really come into your own as far as like i say being a professional musician and and knowing seeing what works because it's all about you know entertainment and keeping keeping the audience entertained or on the dance floor because that's what the clubs want and and uh even though it was it was pure rock i mean we did everything from van halen to judas priest to because because top 40 quote unquote in the in the early 80s was rock so yeah, yeah. so know? so this is the early 80s is like from 81 yes. or something yeah. or a, yeah 81 82 something maybe around that time okay uh um so yeah it was it was pure rock and uh we do you know either three one hour sets or four 45 minute sets five nights a week for three years so uh-huh. you really get your chops together um and you were making and, a living I was, that's what I did. Yeah, that's, that was it. Uh, and just living out of a suitcase. And um, that's what we did. That must and, have been an uh, adventure. Were you traveling all, oh, over, yeah. all over the U.S. or just certain areas? No, there was, uh, there was no need to. The, the, we Primarily Texas, a little bit of Oklahoma, a little bit of Texas is a big state, mind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> so, is. So, you know, Texas, a little bit of Oklahoma, sometimes Louisiana. And, and that was kind of it. I mean, because once you play, you do a week in Houston, you do a week in Dallas, you do a week in Austin, you do a week in San Antonio, do, you know, you go, uh, sometimes you dip down to McAllen, which is way down. Sometimes about every couple of months, we'd go way out West to like Lubbock and Amarillo and, and, uh, some other smaller towns, but you know, you got to drive, drive a day to get to it and you're still in Texas. Yeah. Um, so we wouldn't do that as frequently, but once you got that handful, that circuit, that's all you did. You just, you just repeat that circuit cause you're a week in every city. Um, yeah, it was in a van, no air conditioning in Texas. I go, I can't believe oh I did that. I don't goodness. know how I did that my now, <laughs> but I, was, I loved it then. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You're, you're young. You can, you can take that shit easier. Yeah. 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 So you know your Texas, obviously, then, huh? Yeah. 
Yeah, I did anyway. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and n- never New Mexico. Never went that that far west. No, 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 no. I don't even know if we ever went to El Paso. If we did, it would maybe once or twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's you know that's seven hundred miles from from Houston. Wow. So uh, yeah, you're still in <laughs> Texas. So and so so uh, when when Rage was over. Um, what, where did you, what happened? Did, did you go start other bands uh, or start another yeah, career? I think we realized that, or I did anyway, that I don't remember the exact happenings of, of how it exploded or anything. Remember, those guys were doing it a long time before I joined them, you know. So, um, and they were a great bunch of guys. Like I say, they really taught me a lot about life. And uh, so, and I, I, after three years of that, I realized, okay, well, this is great and very educational. I learned a lot, but it's not, it's not going to get me where I need to go, you know, kind of playing all covered. I mean, we worked in originals. We had originals, but you know, you could, you, you could do maybe one a set if you sneak mm-hmm. it in, you know, and it just, it just wasn't going to get, get me where I, I wanted to be. Which sounds, was, you know, sounds like the exact original. same start of Van Halen, yeah. <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I think that's a common theme, I think, certainly at that time. Uh, so I came back home to Houston, and um, I remember right. I did a stint with a, with a, a, a pure pop cover band just because I, I needed to work for like a year. And then we went to Japan and Guam and around the U.S., and uh, that's when I was playing all electronics. I played all Simmons. Really? Kit. Yeah. Wow. How was that? Yeah. Um, I loved it for the t- at the time. You know, uh, I think I played a, where, where I, most of the time I played a real snare and uh, obviously real cymbals and uh, everything else was the Simmons pads, hmm. SDS five. Okay. And, uh, and that's where I started uh, uh, playing along to drum machines, you know, cause we were doing everything from, from Madonna to Prince, uh, even a couple of missing persons tunes. And it was more poppy 80s stuff, but to learn very different for me to play, but I loved it, you know, the electronics and the sounds. And then I started, like I say, I bought a, uh, like a Korg, I think, uh, percussion machine. It was a, it was a drum machine, but all the sounds were percussion instead of kicks and snares and stuff. So I started programming, accompanying percussion parts, which, you know, 95% of the pop songs have some kind of underlying percussion deal. So <laughs> I started playing to that, which, you know, give, would basically give me a click, but it also would flesh out the sound. And I'd stop and start it with a foot switch by my hi-hat. And, uh, and I, I loved it. I, I, I still, to this day, I love playing to a click mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a, you know, this was more than just the click it was percussion, but it, it was fun and challenging and a different, a different chapter. Uh, but ultimately the volume restrictions, because even with a real snare and real symbols, you know, I hit hard, sorry, you know, I mean, it's just not gonna, uh, so there was a few battles I had with band leader and club owners. And I kind of was like, yeah, you know, this, I, this is not for me. And plus <laughs> it was still, still cover music. So, yeah. uh, then, then I, I met some, musicians back here in Houston and we put a band together called XOX which was two girls a, a girl guitar player Robin Beecham and a female singer Leslie and then me on drums and Gerald on bass and so this was late late 80s um 
so two guys, two girls, that whole thing, but it was rock, you know, uh, but again, kind of trying to go with the, you know, harmonies and, and primarily all original. And then we would do sprinkle in a few remakes of covers, you know, but we were an all original band and it was a good band. And we got a lot of, of uh, notoriety and popularity. We just couldn't get the elusive record deal. Really? You, you, you never got anything released on a record company? Not, no, mm-hmm. not with that band. We mm-hmm. got, I mean, we, we played everywhere opening for bands in Houston. We were, the, the rock outfit to, you know, to contend with. And, uh, but we just could not get the deal. We get some attention. Um, some, a few times they would come down and I don't remember, we had a manager and stuff, so I didn't really deal exactly or find out what the was, what the problem was or whatever. I, when I look back on it now, or when I, I have, you know, we recorded obviously, and I, I, I digitized those songs maybe 10 years or so ago from, cassette or whatever I had them on. And I kind of get it now. I kind of like listen to a lot of the songs and I kind of go, yeah, the songs just weren't as strong as they could have been or should have been, I think. Um, But not always the case, Um, but we didn't. And, uh, and you can only maintain, or I could only maintain that level of, of, uh, because if I'm in, I'm in, man, you know, I'm like 110%. And uh, you can only maintain that for so long until you just kind of go, uh, okay, <laughs> this is not getting it, you know. So that reluctantly, we 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 all agreed, yeah, we just okay, let's just let's throw in the towel, basically. It was a shame because we really all uh, got along great and mutual respect. It wasn't like the band broke up because we were fighting or you know uh, creative different things. It was none of that BS. It was just like we just couldn't maintain it we just couldn't get where we wanted to go and it was a shame because it was a great band and a great bunch of people and then um maybe if within a few months i learned of a band in la uh that was looking for a drummer and um that's when i joined kick tracy that was an la band that had just gotten signed and they were beginning the recording process when they uh so that's that uh, so I joined that band. So you moved to California. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was about what was that early nineties or something? That was ninety. That was nineteen ninety. Yeah. 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 Even though that band is lumped in with the eighties, which is because we had <laughs> because you know I mean the the album came out in ninety one on RCA and um, but you know up until then everything was still you know L A you know hair band you know we of course we had hair of course you did. And uh, it was an L.A. band and it was very much marketed like everything before it. And we just had the unfortunate timing of while we were we released that first album and we were out supporting it. And while when Nevermind came out, yeah, <laughs> you know, and we were like the antithesis of everything before, you know, I mean, or, or afterwards, you know what I mean? We, we were lumped in with the 80s hair band thing and, and and some of that rightfully so i mean it's clearly that's what we looked like and we had tinges of that in the show and you know and i you know i had a a great big 80s drum kit one of them and the next one i had was was you know uh uh this really i still think it's cool but it's like hot pink 
but you know, finish that I did on this kick, you know, with on this kick with a, I had a 28 inch kick drum and, you know, so it was, in hindsight, I was like, yeah, that looks eighties and that looks glam, you know, but I, I, I didn't, the band really wasn't that the music really wasn't that, but too late. (laughs) Too late. Too late. What what kind of kit was it? Uh, well, the, the, uh, I, I, I did a glow in the dark kit. That was a, 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 an art star, Tama art star. Um, that was like the double kick and the two, you know, the, the quintessential eighties, big arena yeah. rock drum kit and uh two racks two floors gong bass drum on a rack you know it was mm. it was with a i had a, a gear paint job i still have the snare drum i i i can't keep everything but no. i did keep that snare drum uh because i because i liked you know it has a, obviously a, a, a place in my heart but i i still like the paint job i like mechanical things and this so this was gears but it was it glowed in the dark the whole kit was phosphorescent and you so, had painted that yourself yeah 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 yeah, I started painting. Uh, I started painting drums before that. In XOX is when I started painting my drums, uh, just because you know I could. <laughs> so, and I wanted my stuff to look unique. And um, so, yeah, I went with uh, Kick Tracy. Uh, I still, and then the pink one I actually built before Kick Tracy. Uh, I and I built the whole thing. I built built it out of Keller shells. Um, so that was you know. And like Mine. kind of standard hardware, and where'd you get the hardware? Yeah, from? I put I put I put Tama hardware on it as well, like Grand Star hardware, the single, not the long lugs, but the yeah, the, 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 the triangle, the triangle. Yeah, 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 I remember those. The yeah, Art, yeah, the Art Deco uh, lugs. Yeah, which I liked the look of. Well, Grand Star were also really, really good drums. Yeah, it, it was Art yeah. Star was the Maples, and Grand Star was was the Birch, right? I think that's how that's, it was. That's yeah. how I remember. Yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the kit, the Keller shells kit I made that was Maple. And uh, relatively thin shells, but big. Everything was big, 20, 28 by 20 kick drum, you know, 28 big, you yeah. know. Uh, and to control that, I had basically had to stuff a mattress or something inside that drum to control the boom. Uh, and it absorbs a lot of energy. You know, you get that big 28-inch head and you're, you know, when you, people play on it, not used to that, it absorbs a lot of your that's, it doesn't give back much. That's what I was going to uh, say because I even yeah. find that with a twenty-four, I because I I think I leave the the beater it kind of stays. I don't I don't I'm not good at bouncing it back. So I kind of I'm not either. I, I leave I bury the, it. Yeah, I bury this beater. Yeah, and I find this is why mainly why I like working with twenty-two is of course this it's not so big that you, you can actually put your toms around it, but but with, even with a twenty-four and I used to tour a lot with twenty-four um, before. But I was so it was so comfortable to go back to twenty two because it's so so much easier to play. It it kind of responds better to you. But that's that's yeah. my opinion anyway. So twenty two is like the ultimate. I've always I have a clear pattern on. I don't know if it's still on my website. There was at at, at a time there was a section of my website which was you know evolution of a drummer, and mm-hmm. it had pictures of me with all my drum kits. And I started with a actually I started with a twenty inch kick drum, my very first kit. And then I went to 22 single and then I went to two 22s and then I went to 124 and then I went to two 24s. <laughs> then I went to 126. It's a clear pattern. You see where this is going. Yeah. Then I went to two 26s. Then I went wow. to 128 Jeez. and I never went to two 28s because how are you ever going to put Tom's around that? I couldn't, I wasn't that foolish, but I went all the way up to 128 oh. and then I now I'm back down to one twenty a twenty six single. But, but the twenty eight was Keller shell, so that wasn't a Tama. Yeah. That wasn't a Tama drum, that was, right? Correct. That was yeah, Keller. 
Because I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't have ever seen Tom Iver until over twenty. No, I think they've made. Uh, no, 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 no. It was never. I don't. Yeah, not many people do. <laughs> I mean, no. you don't sell many. There's a good yeah, yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love it. I just love. I, I love the the visual. I like the feel of sitting behind. Uh, now at twenty twenty six, I, I I like I like the feel. I like the look. I like, and I've always been a visual guy. You know, I mean, again, I can I can remember my very first drum kit where I would set it up, and then I would come on the other side, and I would just lay on my bed and and stare at it. Because <laughs> uh, to me, it's a, it's a, a sculpture, a work of art, kind of a thing, and and I would adjust angles or wherever symbol just from from a visual standpoint. Yeah. And then get used to it physically playing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's always that's, that's who I am. I could without a doubt play something really, really ugly looking in the studio if it sounds great, but up on stage it has to it has to look the way I want it. I want it to look, you know. Yeah. And I also think there's something about putting it in front of you and making it, you know, because I can I can see something that in front of me and I don't like the way it looks, and then I don't want to play it. But I have to make it, you know, to where it's comfortable for me that it's at that space where it is. Yeah. But it it has to look, it has to look like it has to be attempt, you know, it has to lure me in to want to play it. <laughs> kind of, yeah, <laughs> because I'm, I'm very, <clears throat> obviously, like I said, visual. But, you know, I mean, if I go into a venue and I don't know the band or whatever, well, it doesn't matter if I do them or not, but you know, obviously I'm going to look at the drums first. And I've, if I've never seen the drummer play before, uh, you know, I, I judge them on how the kit's set up. I'm sorry. I do. You know, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can, I'd like to think I can tell, okay, what kind of drummer he's going to be based on his gear and how it's set up. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not all, I don't know if I'm always right, but, um, it, it, to me, it just matters. That's in the short, the short answer of, of that is, is again, I love, I love the drum kit, the physical, you know, the, the, the look, the physical aspect of it. So going back to, you know, when I started painting mine and doing weird things, like I'd have hoses, even in high school, my, my drums, I, I would get the dryer vent hoses, four inch articulating hose, you know, oh, yeah. and put that like it was coming out of my kick drums. Um, and, uh, wow. just and, cause, just cause, uh, for the visuals. Yeah. I was just intrigued. I just, I love hardware stores yeah. and I just <laughs> thought that that looked cool. And, um, I painted it red cause it was only, you can only buy them white, at least in the U S it's a white vinyl, dryer vent hose four inch pvc vinyl dryer vent hose and um i painted it red and um for years i had those coming off my kick drums i told everybody that my drums were kick drums were air cooled <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know and i had uh, ga the ga gauges because my dad worked at shell oil he was a research chemist and um he knew i was fascinated with this stuff and he would bring me home gauges that broke or failed you know they didn't they looked right but they no longer read accurately or whatever mm. and i would put the gauges around the drum kit you know because like i had a mount on the kick drum 
at the time, but I never mounted my toms off the kick drum. So mm-hmm. there I just had this big mount with nothing coming out. But well, okay, well, I dropped a gauge right in there and did the wing <laughs> nut and boom, I had a gauge that would gauge the pressure of the, the air that would, <laughs> my, cooled my kick drums. It made sense to me. But uh, anyway, so I, you know, I've always been trying new things and adding stuff to my drums or painting, you know, like I say, painting them. That came a little bit later. Um, anyway. So, so when, back when, to you. So back to me. So when Nevermind uh, broke and Kick Tracy uh, eventually, or at least I don't know what happened to Kick Tracy, if they quit or you quit? We kind of imploded. We did two records, you know, um, and um, it's just the kind of the same thing it's just uh we just kind of imploded uh, under the the shift the music business the dramatic shift the music business took at that time mm. you know so um so we did two records and i, th- I came home in 93 or 90 1994 or something like that back to texas and I, you know, with, with no money and, and, uh, I didn't know what, what I was going to do, you know, what, how I was going to do it or, or any of that for the first time in my life, okay. you know, not knowing what, what to do and how to do it or anything. Cause, cause I, cause I, I already had, you know, I, I got the record deal in hmm. quotes, you hmm. know, and, and of course, growing up, you think, ah, oh, you got, you, you made it, hmm. you know, and, and while that's uh, certainly a step in that direction, um, you know, it, it, I didn't make it. I didn't, there was still, when you're a baby band and you don't break big, there's no money and there's no, you know, you're not, uh, even though you're making videos and you're in the fan magazines and, you know, you're playing gigs and stuff, it, it's, unless you have a big hit and you break really big, it's tough to make a living. So, yeah. So we hadn't done that. And so anyway, so I came back to Texas and like I said, at that point I'd been painting some drums for other players. I was painting drums for other bands while I was on tour with kick Tracy. I'd have somebody else's drums in the bay of my bus and I'd painted drums for ZZ top and extreme and, uh, Pantera and the Chili Peppers and all those guys. Oh, really? So, so you had already started doing that when we were playing with Kick yeah. Tracy. Uh huh. Yeah. So, how did that yeah, come yeah. about? When when did I, that start? That started before Kick Tracy. That started when I was an XOX back here in Houston. I I I painted the first drum kit I painted was a Yamaha Recording Custom. Like I started at the top, I'm ruining yeah, yeah. drums for the best. So if I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna ruin something, I'm you know I'm gonna ruin the best. Yeah, that's good and, sounding uh, drums. I love those drums. Uh, yeah. U2 was really big, and I love U2 and Larry Mullen, and and he he would play recording customs on like the Joshua Tree, and and so I'm like I got to get me some of those drums, and I did, and I bought them at a good deal because they they didn't look good, and I'm like it doesn't matter, I'm gonna paint them, yeah, and uh, so that's what I did, and. Um, so I had that, I worked at the local drum shop here in Houston um, at the time called the Drum Keyboard Guitar Shop. It was pre, pre-Guitar pre Center, so it was like the place. It was a great, great place to work. A good bunch of people, a great boss. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I worked there. And so I had my snare drum in there because I, I think I gigged the night before or something and I broke something, I, you know how it is. 
So I had my drum, uh, this eight inch Yamaha recording custom with this custom paint job that I'd done on it. And I had it up on the counter working on it on company time. And, uh, <laughs> so this dude came in to buy some stuff and he asked about that drum. Hey, uh, cool. Who painted that? I did. Okay, cool. Turns out he was, uh, drum set for guns and roses. Oh, um, I think if I'm remembering this right. Anyway, he got my number. And next thing I knew, I was painting drums for Steven Adler. Cool. So he was still in the band. So I did two kits for him. When he switched from Pearl to Tama, he, uh, they sent two kits to me and I painted them. And, um, uh, I know one, one was for his house. The other one was for, for GNR, which I think saw a couple of gigs. Um, I've seen a couple of pictures, but it wasn't long before Steven was out. Okay. So it didn't get a lot of, so the first kid I ever painted for anybody other than me was for Guns N' Roses at the height. That's incredible. Happened, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I knew the, the, I knew the art was, is the easy part. It's the figuring out the, 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 the finish, which again, nobody pre-internet, and uh, you, when you, I didn't know what to use, how to do it or anything. So I had to figure that out on my own. So what, what, short, what do they look like? Well, what did I do? What did I, do? Yeah. Um, I did a, a, the, the kit for, for this um, GNR was the, it looked like granite. It looked like rock. Okay. Uh, with like cra- cracks and stuff and speckle that looked, you know, looked like they were made out of stone. I th- I, you know what? Now that you mentioned came- it, I think I've seen them somewhere online and somebody was selling them. I think. Yeah. Somebody was, yep. They popped up on eBay sometime last year or something. Somebody, somebody, and they were in great shape. I mean, Maybe you I, shared I think- them on Facebook or something. Could, could, could uh, that have- no. Okay. I don't, somebody, somebody, I think somebody shared them and tagged me in it. That could have been, uh, it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, somebody was selling them on eBay for like a ridiculous. They yeah, were yeah. asking like 125 grand or something preposterous, <laughs> you know, because it was just a four piece kit. And, yeah. but, he, but they were, they looked in great shape and even had the original drum heads that I did uh, for them, the kick drum heads. Um, but yeah, I did that when the other kit was like a, just a, like a, a pearl, blue pearl or something for his house. Okay. Um, I, I have no idea what became of that. Um, so, and then shortly after that, uh, again, I was playing with XOX around Houston and, and, uh, the guys from ZZ top who live here would come see my band play. And, uh, so pretty soon Frank commented on my drums, asked who painted them. So then I started painting drums for him. Okay. So, so, uh, that started I don't know, maybe 87, 88. I started painting drums for him. That was around the afterburner time, approximately, or was it? Yeah, later? something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. So, yeah, and then once, of course, once you paint drums for like him, uh, then other bands would see ZZ Top, mm. and a drummer would that? say, "Hey, paint that." <laughs> yeah, so that's how it. That's how it. Again, it was no. Um, wasn't my intention. I just wanted my drums to look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, never thought that there was. Anything. I was totally inspired by by uh, Patrick Foley, who did all the Myron Grumbacher kits. Okay, and he was the guy that did the the Greg Bissonette Eat Him and Smile 
drum kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the famous Myron Gornbacher Japanese kit and the camouflage kit. And so oh, I was inspired by all those drums and drummers. And obviously Alex Van Halen with not so much, he didn't have any custom paint jobs, but he had crazy configurations yeah, and yeah. the extended kick drums and stuff coming off of it and, yeah. you know, radial horns and, you know, all the cool stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, pretty soon I was painting drums for, for yes. Yeah, so like I said, I was painting drums for a lot of these guys while I was on tour with, with kick Tracy. Yeah. Cause once I was in LA, I was, a, I was a little, obviously more in, in the hot seat and, uh, more available to all these bands like the chili peppers and, and, um, that lived in LA. And so I started painting drums for, for those guys, like the, the octopus kit that from Chad, like way back, um, uh, I did that one and the, another one or two kits, um, for him, a lot of drum heads for chili peppers yeah. over the years. <clears throat> Anyway, so that's yeah, that's how that kind that kind of thing kind of snowballed, which which brings back to you know post Kick Tracy when I was back home. At that point, Frank Beard, I've been painting drums for him for whatever five six years. He was a friend of mine, so he knew what was going on with me and said, "Hey, you know, come come on the road, be my drum tech." And I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> "I don't." And so he was like, "Come on." And I, and because I didn't have anything else and I needed to make some money, um, I did it, you know? So I painted the, I obviously built the kit and painted the drum kit and, uh, did this drum checking job, which, you know, for most drummers, what, uh, that's the bane of our existence, right? Setting up gear. That's the worst part of being a drummer. Yeah. Is, so, you know, hey, come, uh, come do the shitty part of the job for me, will you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then watch me play. Yeah. You know, it was like the idea of that was just like, what? No. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, in light of the situation that I was in and, and, you know, gave me something to do and uh, met a bunch of people and, so I did that first tour with ZZ Top and survived. And like we came back home and it was, you know, it was a better part of a year once, you know, rehearsals and, and, and TV shows and, you know, cause they, the album was released and the first show they did, they did. Went, Do you remember did what Day album that was? That was Antenna. Okay. Antenna. Yeah. 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 Antenna yeah. 90, 94. Oh. Um, and so, uh, I did, I did that tour finished, came home and I thought I don't ever need to do that again. Really? It was, uh, it was not, you, you didn't enjoy it? Creatively, no. I mean, other parts of it I enjoyed, but creatively, it's nothing. I mean, because the whole point of touring is to do it exactly the same in the yeah. next city. Yeah. It's just all about repetition and redundancy. And, you know what I mean? I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the, the build of the kit and mm -hmm. I enjoyed, you know, obviously painting and building and rehearsals and putting the whole thing together. I love that. Still love that. But then once you're out on the road, it's just maintaining that and doing yeah. it the same so that every night that he sits down, the band walks on stage, it feels exactly the same. Yeah. So creatively, that is is not particularly satisfying. But I looked at my bank account and for the first time in my life, I had money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because, look, I don't, uh, you know, I didn't begin to play drums or do artwork for the money. 
No, exactly. You're a fool if you if you're gonna <laughs> yeah, do that yeah. for the money, uh, <laughs> or very so, clever in a in a strange way. <laughs> yeah. So I, it, you know, it's it's um, I'm not money motivated, and I'm not I'm not necessarily proud to say that, but I know that money is important as we get older, and I have kids, and you got to that's money makes the world go round, and it, it, but it's still not. You know, I'm project motivated. I'm not yep. money motivated. Um, and that hasn't changed. So and um, because it, when, you, when you're touring like you do, you're part of the crew and, and you get into the venue really early. It's late nights because you have to pack everything after the show is done and everything. So mm-hmm. you can say that you're traveling, but you're probably not, not seeing much of the cities you're going to, even though you haven't been there before. Correct. Yeah, unless you guys have some day off in a, in a nice city. Unless you get a day off, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because you do after show travel, you know, so you're driving at night, so you don't even get to see if you're driving through the Rocky Mountains or the uh, the mountains and whatever they're called in Austria or whatever. Yeah. All this beautiful scenery, you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's nighttime, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, unless you have a day off, um, then you really don't get to see because you wake up in the parking lot of the next town and you stumble into the building and you. You look for catering and eat, and you do. You don't ever see the anything other than that on not, a normal. Not even much daylight. <laughs> no, no. So, and, and you're okay with sleeping on tour buses? Yeah, I sleep pretty good on a bus, actually. Okay. Yeah, well, that's good. So that's a, that's a benefit of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then uh, you you kept on doing that, and but CZ Top they released albums very you know with many years apart. I re- I think I remember correctly. They would yeah, take their time yeah. to make music and re- and release it. Yeah, so I would just come home those first few tours, and like I said, I I thought I'll, I'll never need do that again. But I had money and in the bank, you know, and um, which is a nice feeling. So my phone would just ring for art jobs. So I was yeah. still painting drums for other people, and then once I learned how to to do the finish work of a drum, then you can obviously do guitars, and if you can do guitars, you can do. Uh, jet skis or surfboards or skateboards or a car. You know, scuba tanks or cars, uh, you know, so I've painted all of that. Um, and so um, until ZZ made another record and then they called to go to do the tour and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't need to, do, I don't really want to do that. And uh, then they, you know, they do what we called at the time, point the money gun at you, you know, <laughs> And I had already thought they paid me really good money, but then they paid me really, really good money. And, and, and ultimately, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I guess I do do, do things for the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it helps if you get along with the crew. I mean, if they have a nice crew. Yeah. I mean, know. look, it was very comfortable because, because I had painted drums long before I started checking for him. I knew a lot of the crew I knew, you know, Billy and Dusty as well as Frank, you know? So I came into the thing as, you know, Frank's friend and the guy that paints Frank's drums. And so I, like I say, I knew a lot of the key people already before I started and that helped in the comfort, just the comfort of it all. You were invited Um, into the family kind of. Yeah. 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 So, but while we're speaking of CZ Top, I know because uh, you told me that there, there, you, you might if you go online, you can find some bootlegs out there, and I think they're called "Where Where's Frank." <laughs> Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah, so that was uh, that was uh, I think 2003 in Europe. We were touring, 
and um, we had a night off in Paris, and then the show the next day, um, and it was like, I'd already gone to bed. It was like two in the morning and my phone rang and it was one of the guys in the crew, um, who was, it was my buddy, Billy Hale, the bass tech also, you know, pretty, pretty known for practical jokes and stuff telling me that, <laughs> Hey, they just, they just, uh, took Frank away on a stretcher. He's got appendicitis. And he said, you're playing the show. So you're playing the show tomorrow. And I was oh like, God. Oh, shut up. And I hung up because, <laughs> you know, it was asleep. And I thought, yeah, yeah. So he called me back and same thing and gave me a little more details. And I was like, no, you know, leave me alone. I hung up. Then the phone rang again. And, you know, at this point I was getting pissed. And the next call was Billy Gibbons. Oh my God. Who was also a practical joker, but it's, you know, whatever it is, three in the morning now, whatever it is. And so he he backed up everything and said, "Yeah, we you know we need you to we need you to play the show." <laughs> you know? uh, and so when that became a reality, you let me tell you something: when you find out you're going to play the next night, you don't go back to sleep. No, you start. So going yeah, the you're set. thinking the set in your brain, you know, because I I have. So uh, they, you know, he's like, okay, we'll come. They never do sound checks, but they said, we'll come down and do a sound check, you know, make sure everything, you know, we'll give you what you need or whatever. So went down there and uh, it's, uh, they came down, we did a pretty lengthy sound check um, to go over some transitions, you know, that, you know, like the transitions between this uh, waiting on the bus all day to Jesus just left Chicago. There's yeah. some timing issues, Certainly. you know, and, and I, I was very familiar with the set. Obviously, I've been checking for him now for you know a handful, eight eight years or something. And um, but you hadn't and, played the songs physically. Oh, of course, no, not never. And, and since um, they didn't do sound check, that means that the crew didn't sound check for them either. We did, but yeah. we would play Foo Fighters. We didn't play ZZ Top songs. <laughs> okay, we played Foo Fighters songs. So, um, so these songs I'd never played before. You know, um, wow. But so I moved the drum machine up there uh, because I was uh, we were doing clicks at the time and I was running the click for Frank on, off a drum machine on just a Bosch drum machine just to, you know, to make sure tempos were, uh, you know, you know, you know, tempos get carried away. Um, so I moved that up, which is uh, a godsend because, you know, my adrenaline was through the roof and all the songs felt really slow. Yeah, because you know I never they played, played it before. Pretty, they played pretty slow, CZ Top. Yeah, I mean they were, they, but they felt slow because my I was all jacked up. If I didn't have the click, either everything would have been way too fast. Yeah, and um, so yeah, so that night, you know, uh, I, I I played the first time, at, you know, these these songs in front so of how many the, people approximately? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So that was at, it. Was at the what was that, the building? Zenith or Zenith? What is okay. that in Paris? Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, whatever that is. 10, 15,000 people or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's their debut. <laughs> yeah, that's my debut. With, with and, uh, practically no rehearsals. <laughs> yeah. And no sleep. No, no sleep. sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, I did that did that show, and it, it went amazingly well. No train wrecks or anything like that. And I remember coming off the stage before the encore, and that's when I looked down on my hands, and it was just completely blood and blisters yeah. everywhere because yeah. I hadn't played a show in, you know, 10 years or whatever. Jeez, and, yeah. uh 
So it was a lot of pain. So I, I ended up doing three shows with them. There was a show the next night. That was the most painful because I had to start with the yeah. hands that I finished with. Yeah. So that was very painful. Um, and then we had like a couple of days off and then I played the third show and um, before Frank mm, got better and came back. And there was a couple, there was some, some days off after the third show. I don't remember the exact time frame, but Frank came back and finished out that leg of the tour. So yeah, I played three shows with ZZ Top. In the uh, same venue? No, three okay. different, uh, we did Paris, somewhere in Germany and somewhere in Belgium. And, and okay, so here's my question. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to drum tech as well? <laughs> yes. Did you have to, um, do you have to pack the drum kit after the show? Yes, I think, and, but I think, I think somebody helped me. Uh, I kind of, because I was, I couldn't, I was sweating and couldn't catch my breath or anything with it. You know, I think I kind of oversaw, you know, like the, the loadouts, but I would definitely load in the next day and set everything up. And like I said, I, I put the drum machine up there. So I ran the click with my foot. Yeah. That's where my training from the, remember when I said, yeah. when I yeah, played yeah. the Simmons and I started playing with drum machines and stopping and starting the click with my left foot. So I did that all night long with my foot. And, uh, um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I yes, I I text for myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a boost. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, that's I didn't have a choice. So you know, it's just kind of like you're 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 uh, going to war into, under the bus. Yeah, going to yeah. war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did those three shows, and then that that was cool. It was it was uh, again before the proliferation of cell phone cameras in the audience. So unfortunately I don't know of any footage that exists. There is yeah. a couple of really good bootlegs that sounds really good. And I have those for posterity and stuff, you know, but, uh, um, yeah. And somebody made a CD with art artwork and stuff and they titled the CD. Where's Frank. Um, great. And you, you but, have that um, obviously. I do. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. that. Yeah. So, but you also, um, I don't know. So the ZZ Top gig came first, and then after that was that uh, Van Halen and then Aerosmith, or, or the other yeah. way around? Yeah, it was no, it was Van Halen in, in actually in '97 when I got the call. I had painted some stuff for Al, uh, drum heads and uh, like kungas and 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 uh, octobons and stuff to match kits. You know, uh, even when I was in Kick Tracy, I, I started painting some drum heads for Al. Okay, <laughs> and um, did you know him back then? No, no, huh. but I knew his drum tech. I got okay. to know his drum tech, you know, yeah. uh, Rob Kern. And um, so so for the next Van Halen tour, Rob wanted to move up into production. And so he called me to take his place as Al's drum tech. So, um, and I was like completely, you know, shell-shocked because this was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Van Halen. Alex Van Halen, you know, I was like, and I, at that point I only had been checking for four years, three, not even four years. Yeah. And, um, but I couldn't say no. Right. <laughs> even if it was no money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. What's it going to cost me to come work for Van Halen? <laughs> Cause I've been saving up. So yeah. So yeah, that's when I started working for, for Van Halen. So um, so I've done all three singers. That was a Gary Sharon tour. And then yeah, Sam right. came back and Dave. So I've, I've, you know, I've been there a while and seen all three, all three singers. Um, 
so yeah, so you know, started working with Al, and that you know, I painted the uh, that drum kit like overnight because uh, you know he couldn't make up his mind, or we couldn't come to some kind of deal. But in rehearsal, um, and uh, Aerosmith didn't come, you know, it, it, Van Halen, as we all know, they take even longer. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, tours. yeah, that's true. So we did that tour, and then you know, the next two, that was ninety eight. The next yeah. tour was 2004. Yeah. So, yeah. so obviously I did more ZZ tours and then what did I do between then? I forget. What did I do? Could it have already been Aerosmith or was that later? No, I, no, I started painting for Aerosmith, but I didn't, I didn't start checking for Aerosmith until 2013. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I haven't been there that long. Um, but I painted, you know, I painted, uh, started painting stuff. I got into Aerosmith. Uh, through Joe Perry because I painted his guitar long before I even met Joey. Oh, really? So okay, because yeah. that's the guitar yeah. with the picture of his wife, right? Yeah. What's her name guitar. again? Yeah, Billy. Billy. Yeah. So that's the name of the yeah. guitar. Is the yeah. Billy guitar? Yeah. That's that's, so, a, that's an ES thirty three thirty five or something. Or? Three thirty. Yeah, three thirty. It's a Lucille. I forget the number. It's a three thirty five without the f hole. So it's a Gibson Lucille. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember the number. But so yeah, I painted that in two thousand one. Um, but here's the interesting story. I love to tell this story. Um, remember when I said when I very first tech job with ZZ Top? Yeah. They when the album was released, we did a couple of videos, and we went to New York and did Letterman. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So went to New York, did Letterman, and Frank's playing on this kit that we call the Supermodels. It was a, a white uh, Imperial Star kit that I painted all these supermodels. Just I went through. <laughs> fashion magazines and just painted all these gorgeous looking women in black and white on this drum kit. So Frank was playing that kit. So we're at, uh, in David Letterman and who's sitting in with the band, the most dangerous band on late night TV, but Joe Perry. Wow. All week. So ZZ is a musical guest, but Joe's sitting in with the band like yeah. all week yeah. as they did back then when they were late night was really cool. So I guess, uh, uh Joe's, Drum, uh, not drum tech, guitar tech at the time was Jim Service. And I, I, I don't remember meeting him, but apparently I did. And they saw the drum kit. So again, this was, this was January of 1994. Okay. So fast forward six or seven years later, Joe says, I'm on a guitar with a portrait of my wife painting on it, painted on it to, to his guitar tech. And they, he thought of me from six years earlier. There you go. Yeah, so that's how I, you know, that's how things work. He could have seen. I tried to tell Mike. He could have seen some of the other ZZ Top kits and maybe like the Van Halen kit or something since then as well. The guitar tech. Yeah, that could have so been. So you, you, you know, were maybe, one, you know. But that still, had, that's a you know, cool, cool gig though. Yeah, so so I painted that guitar for Joe and I did a couple of guitars for Joe. And then, you know, obviously now I was kind of on the peripheral of Aerosmith camp and I painted a, a kit for Joey uh, and a bunch of drum heads for Joey, different kits. Cause Joey changes kits a lot. Yeah. And uh, different drum heads and stuff. And um, yeah, but not teching. I didn't tech for him until 13 years later. You are experiencing a gong production. Getting closer to to today, um, 
you have not only played drums with ZZ Top, but also with Aerosmith. Yeah. And and between that, I did Slash. Okay. But do you yeah. play drums with Slash? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Same, the, the same, same kind of thing. The Snake this Pit? Weird, no. His first solo tour. This was okay. in 2010. Brent Fitz on drums. I painted a kit for him, by okay. the way, which is a weird deal. I, uh, we become friends, and I painted a kit for him when he was with uh, the band before. I'm drawing blank. So he had this big DW kit with a 28-inch kick drum, by the way. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm teching for Slash on the first solo thing. We're in Europe. We started in Europe, I believe. And the last two shows are in Russia. So you lose your buses and you fly to Moscow. We had a night off. We had a nice band crew dinner. Very small crew. You know, five band guys. I think five crew guys total. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're like we're like bare bones. This is Slash's first solo tour. And uh, and we went to bed that night and got – and uh, the next day was the show in Moscow. And I was checking out of the hotel to go to the gig. And the production manager calls me, taps me on the shoulder and hands me the cell phone because you, you got to take this, which mm-hmm. is not good news. You know, I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> should, something happened at home. This is not good. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I pick up the phone and it's Brent Fitz. JD, can you play the show tonight? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he goes, I'm fine. But Todd, our bass player, has a detached retina, okay, which is very that? dangerous. What, how, do you, what, how do you describe that? It, 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 part of his eye, the retina of his eye detached from his eyeball. Oh, my goodness. It's how very dangerous. That? Yeah, I don't I don't exactly know. Wow. But it's very dangerous. And he was already on the way to the airport. He had to fly home to have emergency surgery. Because if you don't do it within a particular time frame, you, you, you'll lose your vision. You go blind in that Whoa. eye. It's okay. a very serious deal. And... And, and this kind of music is he, – he can't just sit there and be still and, and, and play bass. You know, you got to uh-huh. move. But regardless of moving or anything, he, th- this was happening. He needed to fly home from Moscow right then. That morning, he was already at the airport. <clears throat> and Fitzy is, like, mega talented. He's like, I'm going to play bass. You're wow. going to play drums. Okay. We're going to do this show. And, yeah, he's that kind of a guy. And I was like, uh. he goes, I already told Slash. He's cool with it. We're going to do a long sound check. And I'm like, again, I'm kind of like, okay, this is like noon. I'm <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. And I'm like, okay. So I go down and I'm setting the kid up and it's hot. It's July of 2010. I think if you probably Googled weather in Moscow, it was a deadly <laughs> heat wave. It was oh, brutal. Shit. No air conditioning in this club. Uh, I don't know what the size of the venue, but <clears throat> hot. And so the slash came down and we did. I called a sound check, but it's like we played the show in the afternoon, okay. hot. So we ran over the song. So, and I was exhausted then. And I'm like, I got to do this again in like an hour. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, but that was, it, and that, so that was weird. So, so having never played these songs before, and, uh, you know, you're looking at the guy, the top hat, and you're playing Sweet Child of Mine, which, you know, I could, I could uh, play that on my steering wheel and sing along with them. I'm like, who doesn't? That's not in your <laughs> yeah. But it's a different story when you're when you're driving the band. Yeah. Totally different animal, you know. <laughs> uh, and um, so, but I got Fitzy 
playing bass. So, you know, he would cue me. Yeah. So that was, there was a co- built in comfort. That's the drummer, you yeah. know? So I'm like, he, you know, especially we did, I think we did, I think we did civil war, which has a lot of stops and starts yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you stop, come back down and then you come back in, you know I mean? So I remember him kind of, I don't, yeah, it was a lot of it a blur, but, but, um, it was just really hot and I was completely beat. This is my favorite part of the, the very first night we finished the show. We go off the stage for a brief minute before we come back into the encore, which is Paradise City, which mm-hmm. is typically like 15 minutes because at the end of Paradise City slash just <laughs> solos until he can't solo anymore. Okay, so you just go. And, and of course, that's cut time and you're just th- full throttle. And I'm thinking I'm, all, I'm so tired and beat. And I remember looking at Slash going, Paradise City. He goes, Paradise City. He goes, he goes I go, you're going to have mercy on me and, and play cut the solo like yeah. short if i cut it down to 10 minutes or something my guess is no <laughs> yeah and he, he you know he always wears the glasses and he tips the glasses down looks over the sunglasses and he goes smiled and went no mercy and i was like oh. <laughs> so yeah sure enough it was full blitz paradise city you know but at that point you know you can you're you can see there's light at the end of the tunnel and somehow we we pulled it off and it was a mirror now that is on youtube because there's oh. a video of that all over um or it was anyway um and then we and so and then we had to go the next night and there was a show in, in st petersburg the very next night so i did two shows my goodness with slash um with the drummer playing bass and me playing drums and uh yeah so that happened between zz and then of course now with the Aerosmith last year. Sounds like uh, Slash knows how to pick his band and his crew. <laughs> I don't think he had any idea, you know, uh, that was, that was more Fitzy. Fitzy went to Slash and said, Hey, we can do this. You know, JD can play drums. And I, you know, I, I, I'm surprised, uh, but I guess Slash trusted Fitzy. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause again, I, you know, at that point, they didn't ask we, you, they we, told you. <laughs> we had been touring, you know, I mean, it was a new band. It was a new thing, Slash first solo tour. That was before they were even the conspirators, which is what they are now, is Miles okay. Kennedy on vocals. And, you know, it was the first first thrown together. And so it wasn't like a lot of history and anybody knowing, okay, well, JD can play or, you know, just Fitzy knew yeah. it, you know. So anyway. But, and, and then... We, we uh, did it. You did it, and that's that. I'm impressed, man. But uh, yeah, and when you're there, you kind if they tell you to do it, you kind of have to do it. It's just like you have to, yeah, you have to go to war once that's again. Right. Yep. But then there was a there was a lot of um. Well, I know uh, Aerosmith had a Las Vegas residency. Was that last year? Yeah. Okay. 2019. Yep. And somewhere in there, and I, I didn't follow the timeline, but I don't know if how it went but i think somewhere in there you had to step in and, and and play drums for joey right yeah that was the 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 first the first leg of the residency it's like a three-week run and you do you do nine or ten shows at a clip in the same building you know so everything was set up oh. and we had um, i think two more shows to do and it was the show day and they don't do sound check either so the crew we do a, a crew jam at like two in the afternoon or something. So I was up on the kit playing. We were doing that. It was about two, two thirty, And, um, I got the phone call. Well, I look up in the tour manager standing in front of me with the phone in his ear, pointing <laughs> at me, pointing at the phone and then pointing like stage left. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That never happened. So I stopped, went and found him. 
got on the phone and it was Steven Tyler saying, you know, it's like, okay, this is, uh, I don't you know, it's kind of the same thing. I don't remember really being asked. It was just kind of like, okay, so Joey can't play and, um, you can do this and we can, you know, we'll come down and, you know, we started talking about, you know, how, how I was going to start the show or whatever, you know, start the show. You'll already be seated at the kit because they come up in the elevator behind the yeah, kid yeah, and, yeah. you know, so, you know, like you, you could already be seated at the kid and we'll, and then he, he started talking about this stuff and then he said, oh, well, we'll go over that when I get here or something. I'm thinking, okay, they'll, they're going to come in and we'll do like a, a sound check quick little thing. Because again, I, I don't, I'm not sure any of those guys even know I can play. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm thinking, okay, they're going to come in and we're going to do, we're going to do a, a sound check slash rehearsal. And so, but in the meantime, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to the last show on the headphones because mm-hmm. they do VIP tours and stuff. So I couldn't even practice yeah, because there's people, fans. Oh yeah. And so I just listened to my laptop at my work box. I'm just listening to the last show, listening over and over. And I'm kind of looking at the clock and I'm like, they're not going to, I guess we're not going to do this. Mm. And they're not going to, you know, so I'm thinking maybe they, they changed their mind. Maybe they're going to cancel mm-hmm. the show. Um, and um, pretty soon it's six o'clock, seven o'clock. I'm kind of, okay, well, the band's all here. And then I got I get called up to Joe's room and he just, he's like, okay, hey, so, you know, we just need you to keep time, man. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I'm like, what does that I'm like, mean? I know. I'm like, okay. And then I go back downstairs and then I get another call radio. Hey, Tom wants to see you in his dressing room. And at this point, Tom's a quiet guy. I'm like, and even though I've been in, I've worked for the band now five or six years, it wasn't steady. Like I, 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 cause I did a Van Halen tour when Aerosmith, you know, I, mm. I did, 2013 and 2014 with Aerosmith, but then I didn't do 2015 or 16 or 17 because mm. I did Bon Jovi and Van Halen. So it's not like I'm steady. So my point is, it's like, I've probably said three words to Tom Hamilton yeah. ever in oh, my life. Okay. And because I don't work for him and I'm not around, you know, it's like, he doesn't know me. And so he calls me up to his dressing room and I can see he's, to me, he looks terrified of the prospect that mm. I'm, playing drums tonight because i don't think he had any idea and so i'm thinking okay i don't you know how can i give this guy any confidence when i don't have any <laughs> you no. know i'm like i'm like he's rough. looking at me it's like so you're gonna i'm like i don't you know and he, so he goes so um the click you know because because vegas right so there's for the first time in aerosmith history there's a lot of the songs are on click not everything but maybe 70 percent of the show because it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh everything's run off the click. Everything's time coded for video and pyro yeah. and everything yeah. is, you know, so that was a new thing for the band. So he's like, can you play to a click? And I'm like, yeah, clicks, no problem. So he was, he was like, oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Goodness. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Don't worry about that. That the, the click is my friend. Um, and he asked particular about like a, this breakdown of this, of a song. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to pay. I'm listening to the show. And I'm going to mm. pay close attention to that. And, um, so I would, you know, I did, that's all I did. So the first time I ever played with Aerosmith at all was like when the curtain went up and that's <laughs> the first time I played those songs. It's the first time they played with me. I mean, no, no rehearsal, no sound check, even nothing. 
in wow. front of a sold out Vegas crowd. And so, um, How did I, it and go? I couldn't, I went, it went, it went great. I mean, no train wrecks. It was a miracle, dude. Miracle. Well, um, it has to do with you being, you know, re- having a routine as, as a drummer who's paying attention to what's going on. You're not just keeping time up there. You have to, you have to be on your feet, man. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 but I never, ever, even, even having done this with ZZ Top years earlier and even Slash, I don't enter into a gig thinking I better learn the show in case. I just don't, <laughs> you know, so, but, but, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, uh, you know, I'm a drummer and musician. So I think it just, it just, I'm paying, of course I'm paying attention. I'm, I'm, I'm watching and, you know, I, I I'm doing monitors for Joey. So I like, I, 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 I know things he's looking for. I know that. So I know the cues. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Cause yeah. Joe, play, Joe Perry plays a specific lick at the end of the song that tells the band that, you know what I mean? Joey looks for certain cues. Yeah. I know this because I'm there and I'm, I'm giving him those cues. So it helps. Um, but again, I, I go back to my sweet child of mine thing. It's like, just because I, I know I've heard dream on on the radio since mm. I was a kid I've never played it before. And guess what? That's a weird song. I can imagine. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a normal, you know, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There's stops and starts and oh, this one builds and it's like, ah, it's a weird song. When you're driving yeah, yeah. the boat, you know, when you're driving the band, the ship, whatever you want to word it. But so I played those and, and, and you know, so I played a almost two hour show for the first time and it went great. It was, uh, you know, I think Steven Tyler called me that night and asked me if it was fun. And I said, no, it was not fun Um, (laughs) because it was just so much as physically exhausted as I was, because, you know, as a drummer, if you don't, if you're not maintaining Mm. that by regularly playing, and I'm not talking about just, you know, it's a different, even playing shows is way different than practicing and I don't do either. So, um, I'm like, but my brain is the focus was what I was mentally exhausted because I was so focused on yeah. cues and watching, uh, listening and what's, I would look down at the set list and I'm like, I don't even know how this song starts Oh my God! because you're just, you know, it's just like, oh, um, that's okay. enough to give anybody you know, panic attacks. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, there was just not, um, it, it wasn't pleasure, you know, um, I got through it. And then we had two days off, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Now, nobody knew, was I playing next? I didn't know if I was playing the next show, but I was told that we'll wait and see. So I thought, okay, well, there's a good likelihood, certainly. Mm-hmm. So I, the upside is I had more time to listen to the material. Yeah. Um, but the downside is that it gives you more time to think about mm-hmm. the possibility of playing. Now, did, you, did you get to practice anything? No, no I was too sore. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I could have, but yeah. I didn't, uh, because I was just, I felt like I got run over by a truck in the yeah. next two days. <laughs> wow. I mean, I was so you, sore. Were you told um, Steven Tyler that, w- that it wasn't fun? Yeah, I did. What did he, um, what did, how did he react? Uh, I think he laughed. I mean, I explained it. I mean, because obviously somewhere in there, we know it, that it, it was fun, but it got more fun the second show and the, all the shows yeah. that progressed because the more, when you can, when you're not thinking so hard, yeah. you can, you can realize that, Oh, I'm on stage playing with Aerosmith. Yeah. I mean, the first night I didn't, there was no time for me to no. think that that's like, hi, that's mom. my enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and no thoughts like that, I didn't want, you know, that the enemy, I just like focused. Yeah. Um, so the second show 
which I didn't know I was playing until, you know, like noon on show day. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause nobody knew, you know, Joey was going to the doctor and to see, you know, everybody thought, okay, there's, he might play. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, I was at the gig and teching and, and on a show day. And, um, I finally went to the tour manager. I said, so do we know anything? He goes about what? I'm like, well, Joey, how's he doing? Is he playing? He goes, he goes no, you're playing. I'm like, well, nobody told me. So, <laughs> so I played again, you know, and so that was the last night of the, of that first leg of the residency. So, so I played that show with Aerosmith and then I loaded out. My I checked, you know, I tore the drums down and packed them away, still sweating. I did change my clothes, I think, but, um, so I loaded out and, um, yeah. So that, I got through it. Yeah. I can say that. I mean, it was. But, but what's the feedback from, from Steven Tyler? I mean, especially, I would think, you know, or, or any, any other guys in the band, but I'm thinking Steven Tyler because I know he's been pretty hard on Joey Kramer he's all no, the he's years. He's notorious. He's notorious. I know. Um, everybody was very complimentary and, and I think thrilled initially that, that they could do it. I just pulled it off, yeah. you know? And again, I don't think anybody knew what, to expect. I mean, I, 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 I like to think that I at least meet expectations, if not beat them, because like I said, Joe Perry was just expecting me to keep time, which yeah. to me is like, come on, I, I got to do better than that. This is, this <laughs> is music. Didn't, you know what I mean? It's like, people I got to pay for the tickets here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, everybody was, well, I, I, I obviously that they, you know, I, they, they kept me playing, you know, so obviously they, they were happy enough, you know, so as Joey, the, his injury, you know, just wasn't, the, nobody, nobody could get him relief, no doctors, no answers or whatever thing. So it, 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 it kept going throughout the year. So, I mean, I, I, I've played 35 shows with Aerosmith. Wow. I didn't know, know it was that many. Really? Yeah. Yeah, including the Grammys. Including the Grammys. And, and there was a lot of yeah. controversy about that, I saw. A lot of controversy, yeah. I know. And that had nothing um, really to do with you because you were just had nothing asked to do with to me. Do, yeah, of course. But it, yeah. I, I guess it, for some way in there, I mean, you've, you've gotten to know Joey Kramer probably over the years a little bit. Yeah, uh, it probably didn't Probably didn't feel very good for you, but then you were kind of stuck in a situation where you can really control it. Yeah, and he, and he realized that. I mean, it was, yeah. look, if there's nothing... Music, being in a band, music, rock, is all about passion, yeah. you know. So, and and being in a band, as you know, is 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 passion wrapped up in in that you become family. I mean, especially when you've been doing it as long as Aerosmith, it's like family, you know. So, is it closer it, to fifty that, years now? Fifty years. So yeah. wow. that's that's you know uh, uh, passion so sometimes passion is not always love huh. no <laughs> you know so uh, that's a good quote <laughs> so you know i understand it i mean it, it, i was in a I, I look i had a great time i was super honored are you kidding me come on that's a, a dream come true to play with that band at that level that many shows and um uh, I wish it, I, I wish it had been under different circumstances for me. It wasn't, the, it was very difficult circumstances for yeah. me, bro. Very difficult. And it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't great circumstances for Joey. I mean, first of all, he's, he's injured. So nobody, yeah. nobody wants that. And, um, 
and it just built up too close to the Grammys where when Joey felt like he was ready to come back and the band was at that point hadn't hadn't played with him in a, in a long time and I don't really know all the ins and outs you know, like of of it I just know that you know I felt bad for Joey and it, it, but he was always cool with me you know cuz um, I was just doing what he asked me to do and what yeah. the man asked me to do. Yeah. It just kind of developed and, and nobody, nobody knew where it would go. Nobody f- foresaw that I would be playing that long until, until, you know, he could be back, you know? So it's unfortunate that, that, you know, the, the drama ensued le- leading up to the Grammys and stuff, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was, a. Like I said, it was it was an honor for me to to play with that band. It was an honor for me to to try to fill the shoes of Joey Kramer in Aerosmith. You know, I just did the best I could under extremely adverse conditions and circumstances. And uh, you know, I just trying to do do what was asked of me and and do it with some integrity and uh, do to do it the best way I could. You know, I think your memoir would be called John Douglas off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels like I've definitely had my share of being <laughs> tossed into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't even give you time to count in, you know, but uh, did did they do did you do any rehearsals with Aerosmith then? then when they knew like that? The, no, the re- no, no, none. Uh, you. Um, well, the, yeah, not until the Grammys, up, the, leading up to the Grammys, and that was just like a couple of any. songs, right? Yeah, but they but, really, but, but well, they, they were, were guests, going on TV. You know, yeah. we had the Run DMC thing, and it's and it's the Grammy TV show, so they account for every second. And, yeah. and we had this uh, not a proper medley, but there was two songs, yeah. you know, half of one song that led into it. So there was some amount of rehearsal. So it was Walk This that. Way and and um, uh, Living on the Edge, Living on the Living Edge. On the yeah, edge. Yeah, yeah. We started with Living on the Edge and then cut the lead short and then went into Walk This Way became basically the whole song. Although initially it was supposed to be edited. Um, and that's the way we did it in rehearsal. And uh, but then, and I, you know, this is like typical rock thing. So, you know, I rehearsed it. You know, I'm, I'm, I learned it exactly the edits, you mm-hmm. know, and that's how we rehearsed it. And then when uh, we didn't rehearse with Run DMC until at the grammars proper the day before at the Grammys, sorry. And we rehearsed it with them and they wanted to do longer or the band wanted to do longer than what the Grammys was giving them. Grammys gave us like five minutes and three seconds or something like that, which cut the song too short. And so in rehearsal, they're okay, okay, we're going to do it just like the Grammys want in rehearsal, but come showtime when it's live on J- JD, don't stop. We're going to keep on playing. And I'm like, oh I'm goodness. freaking out inside. I'm kind of going, oh man, this is the Grammys. You don't want to piss them off. This is live TV. What, 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 what? I go, but this is Aerosmith. And I'm like, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. So all the rehearsals and the camera blocking and all that stuff, we we did it just like they wanted with it edited in a short version. And we finished it. And, you know, bang, bang. And ah, okay, great. And then live show. <laughs> keep on going until wow somebody comes out and cuts us off and whatever so that's rock and roll man breaking the rules right (laughs) (laughs) wow but that that's pretty cool thing to have on your cv though i gotta say you know (laughs) it's you know filled in shoes with aerosmith at the grammys even so yeah it's a trip i know right i mean it's it's 
uh, an astounding adventure for sure. Yeah, how do you land yeah. from something like that? So <laughs> obviously, obviously now it's, it's all quiet, but uh, can I ask you what your plans for 2020 were initially? Were you going to be out touring now? Yeah, we were supposed to be back in Vegas um, like right now, I think, for another uh, run, another three-week run. And then we were supposed to go right from there to Europe for like two months of all the big festivals and shows, big Aerosmith. And I think Rival Sons were European. supposed to, to play yeah. support. For the, for I the, heard that on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I yeah, yeah, yeah. With Miley, uh, but so, but right. you were you were going to be? Were you assigned the drummer? I for have that? no idea. I don't know. Okay. I, 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 no. I don't know. My I, my last inst- instructions um, on this long break was like to be ready to play. So you know, yeah, that that was it. So um, yeah, and that, and that's that this whole time that's kind of been the most difficult aspect of it is not knowing, not knowing yeah. things, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's cause like leading up to the Grammys, I was either emotionally, physically, however you or mentally, I should say, however you want to word it. You, I had to be prepared to potentially play the Grammys, which is arguably the, pinnacle of the music business or maybe inarguably i don't even know but clearly tv broadcast Mm. you know millions of people you know with one of the biggest rock bands ever on the planet Mm -hmm. so i had to be mentally emotionally prepared to play with them or not (laughs) 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 right so those two things damned if you do damned if you don't (laughs) don't live well together you know what i mean so uh and 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 almost every show leading up to that was kind of that but that was like the pinnacle of of like not knowing yes Mm. be fully prepared to play or not to play, you know, okay. <laughs> they're, they're mutually ex- exclusive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I also know that you, um, that they, they, Ludwig did a signature snare for Alex Van Halen that you were very much involved in, right? Yeah, that, that um, started quite by accident. I had an old Ludwig, you know, Chrome, uh, superphonic here at the house that had scratches and stuff on it. And, and I'm not a, I'm, I guess, well, I'm, I guess I'm kind of particular with, with visuals. Um, but it was just an old so, drum yeah. that I had and I, I'd considered getting it re-chromed or maybe getting it, uh, either cr- plated in copper maybe, or black chrome or, you know, doing something different because I don't like to keep anything stock if mm-hmm. I can help it. If it's mm-hmm. stock, I'm going to ruin it. <laughs> or if it's, uh, you know, uh, if it's old, I want to make it look new. If it's new, I want to make it look old. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with anything stock. So this drum, had, like I say, had been kick, kicking around, but it sounded great as, as the Ludwig Superphonic does. Do you know what year it was? It, no, I have no idea. Okay. It wasn't a vintage. I didn't, I didn't ruin a vintage drum. But um, <clears throat> so I, uh, I took out a grinder and I grinded the finish off. And left the bead because I didn't mm-hmm. want to attack. I, I didn't want to mess up with the bead. So the bead 
still had scratches and stuff on it because it sticks out and that's gets scratched first. But I didn't touch the bead. That was still chrome. And I grinded the finish. So you get that swirly metal yeah. ground finish of the drum. And I put it back together and it still sounded great. And I thought, eh, that looks kind of cool. I'm going to, I'll leave it just like that. So fast forward, Van Halen was going to re- start to record the album, uh, A Different Kind of Truth. Um, I'm here at home in Texas and getting ready. And Al's like, hey, what what drums, snare drums do you have? You know, let's bring a bunch of snare drums to the studio and pick the ones that sound the best. So bring whatever you got there that you think sounds cool or whatever. So Great. I brought, I brought, I brought that drum. I brought a fiberglass drum because I knew he didn't have one. You know, I tried, I tried to bring things that, that I knew he didn't have. Um, I think I brought a, a, an old Tama R star snare drum with the inside had a layer of carbon fiber. Oh, really? A pretty, pretty rare uh, yeah. uh, factory uh, snare drum. I brought that. A handful of drums I brought to the studio. Because you have quite a few snare drums lying around. I got quite a few snare drums. Yeah. And uh, so um, that was the drum. That drum that I took the grinder to was the drum that Ed now liked the best. In the studio. So that was the main snare drum for the whole... For the that whole, was the drum. The whole album. The brown sound. Snare drum. The, yeah. It was, in fact, not a brown drum, which was <laughs> a shock. Because, you know, at the time, Ed, Al was going, you know, wood. You know, I'm with that woody, you know. And, and obviously, we started with his signature drum before that, which was mm-hmm. a rosewood, which he's pretty famous for liking rosewood drums. And But surprisingly enough, this drum sounded more woody mm. than um, than anything else. So that's the drum that is on the record. And so the tour short followed after that. And obviously I'm like, okay, well, we got to bring that on tour with us. And so, um, so that drum became Al's drum, mm-hmm. you know, which is no big deal. Uh, so we did the tour and then, so it just kind of got a life of its own. We did, we did some uh, TV, is that we did TV shows? I can't remember, but and in 2015, I think you guys did Alan and uh, Jimmy okay. Kimmel. Yeah, that was after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not. That was like not right after the 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 release of the album. Yeah, that was 2012, I think. Yeah, it was, was. the album release and the yeah. tour there. I don't know, but people see the drum photos, you know, um, and gets online and kind of you know people asking, oh, what's because you you look at it and it looks different, yeah. obviously. So it kind of kind of got a life of its own and. Uh, when Ludwig came back to Al talking about doing a, a, another signature drum, we kicked around lots of ideas, you know, cause originally I was pitching like, Hey, let's do the, the black and white vertical stripes, like the fair warning kit in a yeah. snare drum. And I painted a couple of superphonics like that. Really? Uh, yeah. Just as, as a prototypes yeah, yeah. and looked great, but it was really difficult to do. Okay. Uh, to paint because the bead and some metal drum and you know yeah. stripes. It's but it looked looked cool. And you know I'm the Van Halen fan, man. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I'd, I'd buy this in a heartbeat because this yeah, to yeah. me says Alex Van Halen. Fair warning. Certainly that does. Kit, that poster. You know, I mean, that's like the, yeah one of the one if not his most iconic. Certainly one of the most iconic drum kits ever. Yeah. And um, but just couldn't figure out how to reproduce it in any kind of quantities to make it, you know, so we kind of kept circling back to that grinded ground metal superphonic and Ludwig has never done 
a signature superphonic drum for anybody. Really? Uh, yeah, never. Did not know that. So, so they came back and they, they settled on that or Al settled on that. And, um, and so I like, I, I told Ludwig, well, here's how I did it. It's no real secret. I didn't invent the process. Mm. The hard part is figuring out how not to, how to leave the bead Mm. untouched. Um, so I told them how they did it. And then eventually, I don't know if they tried it or not. I have no idea. Eventually they came back to me and said, okay, what would it take for you to do them? And I'm kind of <laughs> like, oh man, I don't, I just do custom stuff. I'm not a, I don't want to do mass production. Yeah. We were talking about doing a hundred of these. I'm like, I don't want to do a hundred of lot, those. That's a lot of work. I don't want to do a hundred of anything, <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. Wait, I have a new title for a memoir. John yeah. Douglas, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and you end up doing do it. I don't want to do a hundred of anything. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want drum tech for CZ Top. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do a set up, I don't want to set up somebody else's drums and watch them play. No. I don't want to play your show tonight. <laughs> yeah. On your drums. <laughs> With your drumsticks, probably. Okay, sorry. So uh, back, back to you, John. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, reluctantly, I was like, okay, but um, I don't know when, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm booked. Like, I got a Van Halen tour, and I think at that point, I just signed up to do Bon Jovi with Tico, and I'm kind of like, well, I got this whole tour thing. I'm like, I can't, I'm not, I can, I, I'm not going to take a grinder and an air compressor into my hotel rooms and grind snare drums on my days <laughs> off. So you're going to have to wait. Like, okay, so they announced it at NAM with the prototype. We figured out all the case candy and all the cool stuff, you know, and the copper hardware, which I love yeah. on there. Looks really and, nice. Um, thank you. And it was supposed to be 100. Yeah. So I get a phone call. I'm in Bon Jovi rehearsals. I'll never forget this. I'm in rehearsals, Bon Jovi, and I get a phone call at the end of the night from uh, uh, the Ludwig guy saying, dude, the, we sold out on the first day. And actually, we sold 150. I'm like, well, you shouldn't have done that. And uh, <laughs> you shouldn't, and goes, have, you shouldn't you have done do, that. <laughs> he goes, can you do? Can it, and please, can you do 50 more? Can you do 150? And I'm like, dude, ow, I, <laughs> I didn't want to do. I'm this like, well, first place. of all, it's not my. It's not my. It's up to Al. It's his signature drum. Well, ask him. So I called Al, and Al's like, I don't care. It's up to you. If you can do it. If you want to do 150, so he put it back on me. You know, I'm like, ah, oh. so I called the Ludwig guys. I says, all right, we'll do 150. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. I owe you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get to it. Make sure your buyers know that. Oh yeah, yeah no problem. So he called me back the next day. Can you please do 200? Oh my goodness. And it, I'm like, it never stops. Perhaps, perhaps you should Google the definition of limited edition. <laughs> you know, it's like we supposed to be a hundred <laughs> limited edition. I know, but the response is through the roof, and um, the Ludwig dealers are going to be pissed off if they, you know, all my dealers are going to be pissed off if they don't at least get get one. Please, well, two hundred, no more. I'm like, let me call Al. It's up to him. I'll call Al, and you know, same thing. It's up to you. If you got, if you want to do it, you know, I don't care. Okay, so all right, two hundred, but I don't ever want to hear. Where, where, where are the drums, John? I said, I'm not going to, it's got to be around my schedule. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to do 200. I don't I didn't want to do two of those drums. <laughs> now I got to do 200. I don't know how long that's going to take me. I don't know when I'm going to get to it. Cause I've got the Bon Jovi tour. And if Van Halen calls after that, guess what? I'm doing that. So 
Yep, understood, understood. We're never going to call you and say, hey, where's our drums? Okay. So, <laughs> Did yeah. you get that signed on a piece of paper? <laughs> <laughs> I should have. No, but they were respectful, and they did it. And, and so, yeah, I somehow did it. I did it. And, um, yeah, the hard part was was I got my system down eventually, but, the you know, protecting that because basically they had to polish the aluminum bead first. Mm-hmm. And then I get the drum. So now I had to protect the polished bead and, and doing this for, for paying customers is way different than just doing it for myself. That first drum I did, I did it freehand, like holding the drum with a big old grinder. You know, I mean, it's like, it wasn't pretty under close inspection, you know, it's like good enough for me kind of a thing and experiment. So now you're getting people to pay good money and collectors and, and, you know, it's got to hold up. It's got to look good. The pressure's on. Yeah. Under under magnifying glass and the critical eye of somebody throwing down a lot of money. It was, you know, expensive. Was, drum. They were pretty expensive, weren't they? Yeah, but, you know, it came with a cool case and a poster yeah. and a Van Halen drum key and the copper and the and the back and forth. You know, they, so the shells get shipped to the factory. I'm sorry, the factory polishes the beads. They ship me like 30 or 40 shells at a time to mm. my house in Texas. Mm. I do my thing. I box them back up, ship them back. You know, so all that adds mm. money. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, of so, course. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But it was an honor to be attached to, you know, have my name attached to that drum. I think I think it's very a, cool. Very I cool. think it's a cool looking uh, package. It's a great sounding drum. Uh, I think it's a cool, you know, again, with a copper hardware offset uh, on the on the metal. And and, you know, I think it's a, a cool, a cool deal. I got one. Very good. There you, there you go. <laughs> and uh, if I understand it right, I'm going to put a link because you still have your website up, right? Yeah. And you can yes. see a lot of your artwork, a lot of stuff that you've done, a lot of the drum yeah. sets. A lot of the drums and guitars and a lot of the, the, the paintings, you know, because I, I paint in my hotel rooms on yeah, days that, off. I yeah, that's right. Painting, you know, yeah, so I, you, I had, you had an, an art show too, right? Yeah, I had a couple of art shows that were conveniently uh, booked during COVID-19. Huh. Oh yeah. So, so right now my paintings are hanging in an art gallery across town and it's never been opened. The gallery's the paintings have been hanging there for six weeks and the gallery's never been open. It's been closed. Wow. So, uh, so you, you would have been doing that kind of like you know, hanging around there. Yeah. And this, would, yeah. and these are portraits. I think I see portraits of, uh, Steven Tyler, John Bon Jovi, uh, Joe Perry, maybe. Yeah, Joe, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, you know, you know, all my favorite, right. you know, yeah. Bowie and Joey Ramone or, you know, I mean, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, just, you know, rock and roll. That's all I know. That's so I know. paint, I paint on canvas in my hotel rooms on days off when I tour. And over the years, I've got like 40 paintings oh. and I get, I get a lot of them signed because, you know, why wouldn't I? Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. So now they're part of this collection that's that's getting show but yeah my website is my uh, it's john douglas.com yeah. and the, the instagram is john douglas i think underscore art cool. uh, and these pages yeah. were going to be for sale after the art opening or what are you going to yeah. yeah either the originals or the or, or prints i sell okay. prints of them because a lot of the a lot of the originals uh i either keep or the hard rock cafes buy my stuff so that yeah. you can see paintings of mine in in uh hotels and casinos like all over the world um so um that's cool if you yeah i love that it's uh you know who wouldn't um i'm honored to be associated with them 
and uh and my paintings are still in the public you know yeah uh so awesome good well, thing john um i'm gonna let you go we've been doing this for nearly two hours this is a nice Ooh. good solid podcast uh, for this time but it's been really cool to hear your story man and uh thank you so much for for taking your time off to to talk to dr gong's drum cast <laughs> <laughs> doctor where do you go to school to be a dr gong just curious <laughs> how the credentials if you're on an airplane so we, do we have a doctor in the house it's like i'm not my hand's yeah. not going up <laughs> you're the last person i want over me if i pass out on a plane well would you want david lee roth no no <laughs> but you know he's an emt right yeah i know i yeah he's told that story and i'm like yeah i don't just pull the plug if i wake up and dave is over me trying to resuscitate me <laughs> Oh, that's hey, funny. JD, yeah, no. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, cool. thank thank you so much, um, and uh, you know, good luck with the art show. Uh, whenever, whenever that is, whenever that is, <laughs> and the and the touring yeah. that's going to continue sometime, hopefully, and not too long. I know. And, right? uh, we need some concerts. Yeah, we do. We do. Okay, so man. I'll see you next time I'm in Europe, or next time you're over here. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, for sure. Hopefully I'll soon. Let- uh, we'll we'll contact each other. Cool. Thank you so <laughs> much, John. Thanks, dude. Okay. See you. See you. Bye-bye. You have just listened to Dr. Gong's Drumcast. The Drumcast has been produced by Gong Productions. And the theme song, Dr. Gong, was written and performed by Raldo Useless, a.k.a. Adolf Ingve Uggen, with yours truly, Danny Young, on drums. Thank you for listening. Dr. Gong, Dr. Gong.